Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we are continuing the series that we've called Into the Deep. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And in this series, what we've been doing is we've been highlighting the life of Peter. I think personally, out of all the disciples, I believe Peter's the most interesting. I mean, he says things before he thinks about it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever ever done that? I, I've done that. Oftentimes he, you know, he'll speak before he thinks. And then you know what? But the interesting and amazing thing about God is that even with all his faults, Jesus loves him and transforms his life and makes him into a great man of God. Isn't the God that we serve amazing? And I think the thing about Peter is that his life is an example of what an average believer's life could look like uh, after Jesus transforms them. He, and, and, and I think that we can learn a lot from him. I believe, actually, that the reason why the Holy Spirit put Peter's life story in the Bible is so we can actually see ourselves in him. And so what Jesus did with the disciples, but with Peter as well, is he called him into a deeper life, into a deeper life. Remember, he went for a fishing trip, and he went and fished all night. He caught nothing. Remember, Jesus saw his nets. We talked about that, and Jesus said, you need to launch out into the deep. You need to go deeper, right? And so what we did is we kind of defined that word deep because we want to know everybody. Uh, we want everybody to be on the same page when we're talking about deep because in the Greek, the word deep means the secret, the unrevealed purposes of God. Let me say that again. The secret, the unrevealed purposes of God. How many of you believe today that God has purposes for your life that have yet to be revealed? Let me see your hand. All right. Not everybody's raising their hand. So I need to ask this question. How many of you believe your life is over? It's dead. You're already buying your, no, no, anybody else. So then God must have some purposes. Can I hear a good amen today? He has some purposes that just have not be revealed. They're secret. But let me just tell you this. They're not secret to God. They're secret to us. And so we have to find that out. But where do you find that out? We find it out in the deep. And so God is wanting to take our life deeper. Let me, let me give you a little um, context of what that means. When he's taking us deeper, he wants to show us what our lives can be when we move out of our own depth. When we move out of even our own strength, of our own uh, you know, knowledge that we have, when we move beyond our knowledge and, and into him and trust him more, especially in the areas of the unfamiliar or the unknown. And so when you're in the shallow, especially in the ocean, you're in control. Everything's familiar. You don't need faith. But listen, when you launch out into the deep, it is sink or swim. But let me just tell you this. That's where the real fun's at. It's in the deep. And so it's in the deep that God does his greatest work. And before we read Matthew 16, verse 13, this has kind of been an anchor scripture. Psalms chapter 107, verse 23. I've been reading it and I've been telling people have been telling me, Pastor Phil, I love this verse. I know this has been like my, my favorite verse. It says, Those who go down to the, sh- the sea in ships who do business in great waters. How many of you want to do business in great waters? He says, Those that do business in great waters. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders. Where? Come on, yell it out. Where? In the deep. The Passion Translation says it this way. You will see his breathtaking wonders. Man, that's what I want to see. And so today we're in part four and I've entitled today's message. Are you ready for today's title? Are you ready? Okay, this side's ready. So I'm not only going to give it to you guys. I'm going to come over here. Let me try. Are you ready for today's title? The message. Okay, all right. I almost just gave it to them. I've entitled today, The Real You Revealed. The Real You Revealed. Have you found Matthew chapter 16, verse 13? If you haven't, just give up now. It's already too, too late. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, here you go. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. 
the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, you will will be loosed in heaven. Let's talk about the real you revealed. Not the you that you want people to see, but the real you. Come on, how many of you know? The, the real you. The real you. You know, when I was a child and um, I would say something wrong or inappropriate to an adult or my parents, they would ask this question, young man, who do you think you are? Right? Who do you, what a question. Who do you think you are? Not who I think you are, but who do you think you are? Because to be honest, the answer to that question is what's really defining your life. Oh, that was good. See, the truth is every day we're living consistently in a way that reflects how we see ourselves. You're projecting on people what you see in yourself. And maybe people don't even see that in you, but that's the way you see yourself. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, according to psychology today, they were talking about identities, and they said that our identities encompass memories, experiences, relationships, and values. These components all help to create our identities, right? And this sense of self. And we are living in a time, I believe like no other, where people are literally in an identity crisis, and let me tell you, it's not just the people in the world. It's people in God's house as well. They don't know who they are. They don't know. And, and there's a lot of confusion. How many of you know God doesn't want us to be confused about who we are? God doesn't want us to be confused about our identity. And I was doing some research, and I thought, man, this identity crisis thing, that, that's tough. And, and so I found, you know, some common causes of identity crisis. And they said that you can have an identity crisis when you get married. Come on, somebody. When you get married, right? You don't, you don't know who you are. Now you got this other person living with you or a new committed long-term relationship. Sometimes you can have an identity crisis when you get divorced or separation, Right, You find yourself in that marriage or you find yourself living expectations through that person. They're no longer there. Right, A loss of a loved one can cause an identity crisis. You lose a parent, a spouse, a child, or you have to move, they said. The study said you have to move maybe from one state to another. They said it also could be a traumatic event like an accident. Maybe you lost your job or getting a new job. One study said physical health issues can cause an identity crisis, right? Mental health issues. I thought this one was kind of funny. One of the things that can cause an identity crisis is when you retire. Hmm. When you retire, why? Because you thought your life and you poured your life into your work, so you think you are what you do. And so now you're not doing that anymore. It's like, who am I? You're retired. Or let me say it this way. You're really tired. I don't know. Come on, you put more in the offering, you get more better jokes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Retirement. Or this one. Identity crisis. You become a parent. Right? You become a parent. You lose yourself because everything is about your kids. But my church family, God wants us and his desire is that we are not having and being schizophrenic about who we are but we are confident in who he made us to be. And I think when you read Matthew chapter 16 and the passage that we read, we're seeing how, and we're gonna see how we can find our true identity. We can see when we read this that Jesus is talking with his disciples, and I want you to listen to this. He wants to reveal himself to them. I have some good news for you today. God wants to reveal himself to you. There's no question about that. He wants to reveal himself to you. I thought I'd get at least one amen on that. He wants to reveal himself to you. Listen, that's why he posed the question. He poses the question, so who 
do people say that I am? He is setting them up. He is not asking them because God is bipolar and doesn't know who he is or if he should go to the cross. He's trying to get, you know, a consensus of the opinion of everybody. When God asks a question, he already knows the answer. But when God's asking a question, he's setting you up for something. You got to know that. So he's asking the disciples. He's saying, who do people say that I am? And I think we can learn so much from this because he asked the question. So what are people saying? My late, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first Gallup poll right here. Jesus is taking a poll, right? So the disciples, they, they respond with the thoughts and the opinions of other people, right? We have a, 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 a classic public consensus here. They're giving their own polling results, right? And they're, they're being aware of the popular opinion, the public consensus. But I want you to notice something there's four or five different opinions of who one man is. Let me say that again. They're coming back with different opinions of who Jesus is. One guy, all these people have different opinions. How many of you know there's one you, but there's a ton of people who have a different opinion about you? Come on, somebody. How many of you know that? Some good, some, some bad, right? So, but the answer is, so they come back to Jesus, and this is what they say. Well, Jesus, okay, well, some say, some say you're John the Baptist. And then somebody else says, well, some say you're Elijah. Well, some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. How many of you are glad that Jesus didn't live and determine his ministry by what some say? Some say, some say you're this. It's still today. Talk about Jesus. Some say he heals. Some say he doesn't. Some say God loves you. Some say he's mean. Some say. And if we're not careful, you know what can happen? Is we can allow what some say, the crowd, to affect even how we see Jesus. And if you, listen, if you don't know him and have a revelation of him, I want to tell you this. This is the purpose of our existence is to know him and have a revelation of him. Jesus did not die on the cross to give you a religion. He came so we could have a revelation of who he is, the son of God, love in action, love with flesh on, not some religion. How many of you know it's not religion that's going to heal you? I know people who are very religious, and they are some of the meanest people. I'm not talking about anybody in this room. But what I'm saying is that religion is not what saves you. You have to have a revelation of who Jesus is. And he wants to reveal that to you. And I want to tell you, when you see him as he really is, it changes you. You cannot have an encounter with Jesus and not be changed. Not be changed. But I think this is important because you hear some say, Jesus, you are this. And the truth is what some were saying was actually less of who he actually was. My church family, if you don't know this, I'm going to say it today. Jesus was greater than John the Baptist. And I love John the Baptist. He's great. But Jesus was greater than John the Baptist. Listen, Jesus was greater than Elijah. Oh, Elijah was a bad mamma jamba, but Jesus is greater. I love Jeremiah. Oh, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you. Ooh, I love Jeremiah. Jesus was greater than Jeremiah. Now, some are crazy here because they're like, well, I think he's, they don't even have the knowledge to know who Jeremiah is or Elisha. So they're like, oh, maybe he's just one of the prophets. Can I just tell you, and maybe we could celebrate just for a moment, that Jesus was greater than all of the prophets combined together. That's the God that we serve. But if you limit your life to, some say, some say what society says, listen, you will lose the magnitude of his glory. Well, my grandmother says, well, my mom says, that's all good. But the reality of it is, is you need to see him for who he is. The beauty of our Savior, the beauty of Jesus, the glory and the wonder that we sang about today, that's you need to see. Not what some say. You know, well, I've had people who are married, and I guess, 
you know, they'll tell me my spouse is, you know, they studied the word of God. They don't go to church and, you know, they don't want to be around, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, that's just because you haven't seen him. You haven't, he hasn't been revealed to you because you can live by the letter of the law and never really see Jesus. My church family, I'm going to tell you something about our church and about reading the Bible. My job today and every sermon that I preach is that when you walk out the door, I hope that you see Jesus better than you saw him before. My goal is not for you to think about how funny I am or, or you know what, how, oh man, that was deep today. If you walk out of here and you think more about you, I didn't do my job. My job is here is to be a conduit for you to be connected to Jesus, to see him in all his glory. That's why even when you read the Bible, you should look for Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, look for Jesus. I tell people, you know, when you read the Bible, there's crazy things in this Bible. But you know what? He is the word, the Bible says. So you need to look for Jesus. This whole thing is to reveal Jesus to you in who he is. And I love this because some say he's a prophet. Some say He's a good teacher. And Jesus is going to break, because this is where Jesus is going. He says, but who do you say that I am? My church family, that question, every single person who has ever lived and will ever live has to answer that one question. Because when you stand before God, he's going to say, who did you say that I am? Well, I didn't believe in you. And they're going to be like, oh, my God. Yep, he's right there. Who do you say that he is? That's important. Why? I hope you get this today. Because who Jesus is, who you say Jesus is to you, is who he will be to you. Let me say that again. Who you say Jesus is to you, he will be to you. See, the father was revealing Jesus to Peter. He wanted Peter to articulate who he was. And that took a step of faith, my church family, to say, you are the son of God. How many of you know Peter has said some dumb things in the past? So here he is, and he's going to say, he's going to say, you are the son of God. You are Jesus, the son of God, right? The anointed one, the Christ. He's saying all of these things. You know what that is? That's, that's faith. So our father reveals this to Peter so Peter can speak it into his life and activate it. See, that's what happens when you have faith. Faith activates God's promises in your life. Can I hear a good amen today? But a part of faith is, and it's what Paul wrote that many of us don't really realize in 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says this, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. So confession is faith's expression. What am I saying? It's not just about believing. The Bible says that the demons believe and they tremble. And how many of you know the demons aren't going to heaven? They will be in the lake of fire for eternity, but they believed and they just shook because they did nothing with what they believed. But see, faith is an action. Faith, and when you speak faith, confession, faith is released. That's an action. That's why, let me say this again, who you say Jesus is to you, that's who he will be. Did you ever look in the Old Testament and you see how David and the things that he said? In Psalms 91, verse 2, he said this, I will say of the Lord, 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 you are my refuge and my fortress. Now, does God become a refuge and a fortress because David said it? Was God like, Jesus, hurry, build a fort. Hurry, build a fort. David's saying we're a refuge. Come on, build a fort. Jesus, hurry. This is what he's saying. No, the reality of it was is that our God is a fortress. Our God is a mighty tower. But when David spoke it and said, I will say of the Lord, guess what? He activated that promise in his life. So Jesus will be to you who you say he will be. Well, I don't know if God heals. I don't know. Well, all right. That's why Jesus asked so many people. He's like, do you believe? Can you believe? He asked the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? What an interesting question. Because the blind man could have said, I want world peace. Okay. But he said, no, I want to see. I want to see. I want to say it. Right? 
I want to say it. Did you ever hear when in, in uh, Psalm 16, verse 5, David said this, Lord, you are my portion. You are my cup. You are my lot. You are my secure lot. Who do you say that he is? Maybe your relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be because you haven't said what needs to be said. Who is he to you? Who you say Jesus is to you, he will be that to you. And Peter says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Is he your savior? Is he your healer? Come on, is he your deliverer? Is he your provider? Then we need to say it. We need to say it. We need to say it. Who do you say that I am? You know, my, well, my wife prays a lot, Pastor Phil, and, you know, she, she's like a prayer warrior, and, you know, she prays over the house, and, you know, she takes, like, you know, um, uh, some scented stuff, and she puts it all over the house, and, man, she's a great Christian. That's great, but who do you say that he is? Who do you? Who do you say that he is? And so Peter says you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when Peter has a revelation of Jesus, something shifts in his life. And I want to give you three things to think about today because I think if the real you is going to be revealed, that real you, the person that God created you to be, here's number one. It's our God awareness that gives us the correct self-awareness. That's a popular phrase right now, self-awareness. Are you self-aware? Are you, are you self-aware? Pastor Phil, is it good to examine ourselves? Absolutely, it's good to examine ourselves. But, 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 you can't find yourself in yourself. I know, I tried. Well, Pastor Phil, I need to find my purpose. You don't find your purpose looking for your purpose. You find your purpose having a revelation of Jesus, the one who made you and created you. That's how you find your purpose because he is the one that even before you were born, in his mind, he knew you and he had ordained you for something in your life. So you can get all caught up in this conundrum of I'm trying to find myself, I'm trying to find my purpose. Guess what? That was me. But you will never do it until you you come to the one who made you because it's our God awareness first that will give you the right and the correct self-awareness. Are you here this morning today? Peter didn't find out his identity by looking at himself. Peter found out who he really was by having a revelation of Jesus first. And I love this exchange, and I just want to read it in the message translation because this is where I got this message from. I really love the way that it says this. In Matthew chapter 16, 17, in the message translation, Jesus was talking back to Peter and says, Jesus came back because Peter just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is coming back. He says, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. Watch this. You didn't get that answer out of books from teachers or, or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself let you in on a little secret. Now, Peter doesn't know the secret, but God knows. Watch this. He says, God himself lets you know on this little secret of who I really am. Watch. He says this. I'm going to read it one more time. And God himself lets you in on this little secret of who I am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. Jesus was telling Peter, and we can learn so much from this, my church family. When you know who I really am, I will tell you, Peter, who you really are. Who you really are. Let me say it this way. The way that I've created you to be. But if the real you is going to be revealed, I think we need to understand this. Number two, a revelation reveals more than human knowledge ever will. Jesus says this, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. In other words, it was like Jesus was saying this, Peter, you didn't get that out of your head. You got that from a revelation from my father. So when people say Jesus is Jeremiah, they're speaking from their head. 
because they don't have a revelation of who he really is. So you can think Jesus is Jeremiah and miss out who Jesus really is because you never get it out of your head. What a tragedy to live your whole life and never know who you were really supposed to be. The people who were saying, oh, he's one of the prophets, they didn't say that out of revelation. They said out of their intellect of what they thought. And you know, you can live your life that whole way and totally miss Jesus. You can live your life and think you're the smartest. Come on, crayon in the box. And you can miss who Jesus really is. Because listen, Jesus said you cannot live by bread alone, right? But by every word that comes out of the mouth of, of God, right? He said, I am the bread of life. If you eat from me, right, you will have nourishment in your life. You will have purpose. But the tragedy for me, um, my church family, is that so many people just live their life by flesh and blood alone. And you know what? You can have a good life. You can have a good life. But you know, you'll never have the fulfillment of knowing who you really are or who you really could be without having a revelation of Jesus Christ. Can I have a good amen today? I put this in my notes. I want to read it to you. The best human intellect could only come up with, I think he's Elijah. I think he's one of the prophets. The best. The scribes and the Pharisees memorized, right, five books of the Bible. They didn't even recognize who he was because they lived in their own intellect and they didn't have a revelation of who he really is. I like looking up words in the original language because I thought, what an interesting word that Jesus used. He said this, he said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. I thought, what does that mean in the actual Greek language? Listen to this. It means to uncover, to disclose what before was unknown. The root word means this, to remove a veil, to make manifest, watch, to reveal a thing that was previously secret. So through a revelation of Jesus, he removes the veil and he reveals to us the secret. It's not a secret to him. It's a secret to us. How many of you like to know the secret of the purpose that God has for your life? But here's what's interesting. Is that first Jesus says, Simon. Simon in Hebrew means reed. It means a reed. A reed is like one of those sticks that, it's funny, the, the coincidence. It grows in the shallow. The reed grows in the shallow. If you've ever seen them, they're like little sticks. They grow in like the, the shallow. But the thing about a reed is that any way the wind blows, a reed will go to and fro. The wind blows this way. Anything that pushes against that. And so he says, he says this. He tells, he tells Peter, he says, you are Peter. So people were calling him Simon. Simon means reed. So think about this. Every time people called him Simon, like, hey, read, read. Because in, in, in this times, what your name was and what it meant was really, really important. So they're like, hey, read. So his whole life, he hears, you're a read, read, to and fro. But Jesus looks at him and says, he doesn't see a read. He says this, you are Peter. He doesn't say you will be Peter. He says, you are Peter. That word in the Greek means a rock. What? So everybody's calling me reed, and I can believe that I'm a reed, but when Jesus looks at him, come on, he sees Rocky Balboa. Come on, he sees a rock. He sees somebody who's sturdy, somebody who's immovable, right? Somebody who's not going to and fro, somebody who could walk on water, somebody who eventually he would walk through the streets and his shadow would heal people. He's not a reed, he's a rock. And I wonder sometimes what people are calling you if we just take on that identity, if we don't have a revelation of who Jesus really is. He says, you are Peter. You are Peter. You're a rock. I just want to say this because I think it's important. And he says, upon this rock. Now there's a couple rocks going on here because you got Peter who's a rock. But how many of you know Jesus is the rock? He's the chief corner stone. Now some people actually believe that Jesus was saying, I'm building my church on Peter. That's not what he was saying. 
He was talking about a rock of a revelation. Jesus was saying upon this rock, the rock is the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. That's what he's going to build the church on. And my church family, the Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. When you receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you have a revelation of him. You become a part of the body of Christ. You are now the church. The church is not a building. It's a group of people. It's supposed to, and it denotes a movement of people, a gathering of people. And the Bible says that the gates of hell cannot stand against us. Come on, somebody. You need to be more excited about that because whatever you're going through as hell's coming against you, it cannot stand because you're no longer a reed, you're a rock. The Bible says we are living stones, not living reeds, living stones. And when Jesus saw Simon, he didn't see a reed, he saw the real him. What was the real him? A rock, a rock. My church family, when you have a revelation, when you have a revelation of Jesus, I believe this even in the word, when you have a revelation, you become like that revelation. This is not on the screen, but I was reading this a couple days ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says this, when we with an unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into that same image. From one glory, one degree of glory to the next. When we behold him. When you have a revelation, you can become like that revelation. But it's not just a glance See, the disciples were saying who they thought Jesus was, the consensus. Jesus, Peter started looking at Jesus, but not just looking at a glance. Let me say it, looking with a longing to learn and get something. And that's the difference between what was happening in that moment is he was looking with a longing. And you know what? God spoke to him. Let me give you another example. In the Old Testament, Do you remember when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed? God told them, do not look back. Do not look back. Do you remember Lot's wife? She looked back, and what did she become? A pillar of salt. That always interests me. Like, why not, like, pepper? Why salt? I I don't don't know. Like, why— But then as I did some more research, this is what's interesting, is that Sodom and Gomorrah was literally near the Dead Sea that had a lot of salt. So salt was a valuable commodity in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so watch, she didn't just glance back at Sodom and Gomorrah, she looked back with a longing. And you know what? She had a revelation and she became like that revelation. Her longing, I want to be that. I want to go back. I don't want to leave. That's more important. And she became at what she longed for. And my church family, if you will look at the Lord, not just a glance, not just, hey, scripture of the day, but you will behold him. Look at him with a longing. He will show you a revelation. He will reveal to you secrets that you have not known. One of the secrets is who you really are. Listen, not who your past says you are, who you really are. Come on, not who, listen, not at your job title and what your role is, who you really are. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? Who you, and I don't care. You see, this means a lot to me. It may not mean a lot to you, but when I grew up, my dad, he moved here from Mexico, man, and he was like, we lived in like like, I love Lucy, man. He was like Ricky Ricardo, and my mom was like Lucille Ball. I mean, that was our life. When he got mad, man, he said, ¿Qué vamos a hacer? I mean, he would go. That's how I learned Spanish. Vamos a la iglesia. No, Dad, I don't want to go. No, vamos. I mean, they were just like, and I'm like, okay. Spanish 101. But he was so hot-tempered that I remember that he used to speak things over our lives. He used to tell me all the time, you're stupid. You're a failure. And I just, I was like learning about life, you know. I'm going to school and nobody 
tells you what school's all about. Like, you just got to go. Like, you got to learn stuff. Well, what, what am I learning? What if, ah, you're, that's stupid. And I remember coming home with my report card. It was all F's. And I found out that wasn't for fun. Come on, somebody. And so my dad would take me in the room. Man, we didn't get no time out. My butt was in time out. And that's why I don't have one today, because my dad whooped it. We got whoopings. I'm not, not whoopings. We got whoopings. I got whooped so bad, sometimes my mom would have to knock on the door and come in and stop my dad. But you know what? I would show him the report card. It said all F's. All F's. Blah, blah, blah. And then I would say, but this is just a reflection of what you said over my life. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. And I thank God growing up that he had a revelation of who Jesus was because it turned our whole family around. But I'm just telling you what I'm saying to you today is that you are not who people say you are. You are who God says you are. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? Because, listen, who he is to you and the answer of who do you say that I am is going to be determined by the voices that you are hearing because your past is speaking. It's familiar. The Bible talks about, I'm not going to go here too much, but there's familiar spirits that know you. People go to somebody to read their palm or whatever, and they're like, oh my gosh, like this is right on. The Bible says they're familiar spirits, right? Demonic spirits, they know your past. And they're constant. there's that voice. There's the voice when you failed, the voice of failure. But my church family, you have to tune all of them out and have a revelation of his voice, of what he says, so he can reveal to you who he is, so you know who you are. A revelation. I want to be a revelation addict. A revelation addict. I'm not talking about, there's a lot of places that, man, you'll just read the word, that's good, that's good, and it is the word of God, it's good. But you know what? I want a revelation of what God is saying to me. I'm not talking about some weird thing. I'm not talking about new doctrine. I'm just talking about where God reveals secrets to me that I couldn't see with my mind. Man, I, that's what I want. I want, I want this church to be a church that's built on revelation, not just, okay, we're going to go through the book of, uh, well, let's see what book we're going to go through tonight. Revelation. Revelation. Not just human intellect. But Pastor Phil, you know, Peter wasn't acting like a rock. He's probably acting more like a reed. Yeah, it's because we don't understand how Jesus works. My church family, Jesus says it first, and then he sees it. For you and I, we have to see it before we say it. Jesus says, you are Peter. You are a rock. But see, for us, we're like, I have purpose when I have purpose. I'll be healed when I'm healed. No, the reality of it is, Jesus says you are healed. Come on, somebody. And you need to say it before you see it. And if you'll say it, then you'll see it. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're reacting today. I'm going to tell them to make that coffee a little darker. Come on, somebody. But in the remaining time together, I just want to give you a couple more things. I think it's good to examine ourselves, but let me say this about self-awareness, because that's a, that's a hot phrase right now. I think too much self-awareness can lead to weakness. I think that too much, too much self-awareness can actually lead you back to condemnation. That's why you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Do you remember the woman caught in adultery? Caught in the act of adultery. I'm not gonna go further into that because there's kids in here. But yo, she was caught in the act. The best thing that they could have done was bring her to the feet of Jesus. Now, they were trying to trick him. You can't trick Jesus. And so, you know the story, I'll paraphrase. Jesus says, you know, which one of you that has no sin, throw the first stone? So they throw down their stones, right? How many of you know the one that could have stoned her didn't stone her? The ones that wanted to stone her couldn't have stoned her because of their sin. Jesus could have picked up the rock. Actually, he is the rock, but he could have picked up a rock and went, you're dead. 
Is that what he did? Listen to what he said, because she's going to get a revelation. I hope you get a revelation. He didn't say, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more, and then I won't condemn you. Is that what he said? No, here's what he said. This is a revelation of the word of God. He said, where are your accusers? Watch, I don't condemn you, so go and sin no more. Listen, my church family, he could have told that woman, who do you think you are? You sin. Listen, we could stone you right now. But listen, this is what I'm going to tell you. For the rest of your life, you're going to relive this moment. For the rest of your life, you need to live condemned so you can pay this whole sin thing off. And you know what? If that's what he would have said, she would have lived her whole life with a self-awareness of condemnation. But how many of you know that's not what Jesus told her? Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Don't just have self-awareness. Have my awareness that you are not condemned. And when you, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. Because, watch, when you know, watch, when you have a revelation that you're not condemned, you won't sin anymore. But see, we preach, don't sin anymore, and then God won't condemn you. No, the Bible says in the book of Romans that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. How many of you in Christ Jesus today? Come on, I'm getting excited today because there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. All right, you want a better scripture? I'm hoping that Jesus today is revealed. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I'm speaking to everybody on Facebook who's having Facebook fights. Are you ready for this scripture? I don't know if you're ready for me. Jesus said, I did not come into this world to condemn the world, but through it, through me, that the world might be saved. This frees me. I don't have to be the judge. He's the judge. So I don't got to go on Facebook and start condemning and judging people. Who are you to condemn people when Jesus himself said, I didn't come to do that? We need a revelation of who he is. All right, I'm going to calm down because they're going to call the police. Whew. You ready? I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me to say this. So who are you to condemn you if Jesus doesn't condemn you? You're not a reed. You're a rock. And if you get a revelation that Jesus doesn't condemn you, you know what the result is, my church family? You don't sin anymore. Maybe I'll do this another time, but I think the number one reason why people go back to their sin is because they honestly never believed that Jesus forgave them in the first place. So they live with awareness, self-awareness of guilt and condemnation. So the idea is, is, I've already done it. He doesn't forgive me. This is who I am. No, that's not who you are. I want you to have a revelation of the Jesus that we know from the Bible. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? She could have gotten deep into self-awareness and lived the rest of her life in condemnation. But she had a revelation of who Jesus is. I just need to say this. He said, I don't condemn you, so go and sin no more. When we talk about not condemnation, I'm not saying you're free to sin. That's not grace. That's not, that's stupidity. But what he's saying is when you understand and have a revelation, you know you walk away. I am free. I am forgiven. Come on. I am a daughter. I am a son of God. It changes the way that you live you're taking notes, write this down. I put this, the greater my revelation of Jesus is, the greater understanding of my, what my true identity will be. Let me say that again. The greater my revelation of Jesus is, the greater understanding of my true identity will be. So here's the reality. Pastor Phil, I need to change. I, I, I know. Do you know that you can so focus on change that you can still miss Jesus? So here's what we do first, is you focus on him, his beauty. When you come in to service and we're worshiping, listen, don't worry about all the things that need to happen. Don't worry about the things that have happened in your life. Focus on Jesus, because if you will do that, he will start doing the change on the inside of you. Listen, the change that you couldn't do for you, if you would just have a revelation of his goodness.
of his grace. Man, I feel his presence of who he really is. The God who loved us so much that he took on flesh to know what it would be like to be you. You have a revelation of Jesus. Are you getting something out of this today? But I want to tell you, it only happens in the deep. Here's the last one for today, and then I'll let you go. Here's number three. Jesus wanted to, Peter to know that with his real identity, here's number three, we have authority and access. I love this the way it says in the message translation, Matthew 16, verse 19. It helps clear up some things. Jesus says, and that's not all. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's not it. Come on, say, there's more to you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, there's more to you than you're letting on. Matthew 16, 19. Listen, and that's not all, Peter. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. Listen to this. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on, on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. In other words, we'll talk about this later in the year. You have dominion, Peter. You have authority, Peter. Isn't that what Jesus told us to pray? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You have the authority to bring heaven to earth through your prayers, through your confession, through our lives. Can I hear a good amen today? I I wrote this in my notes. When you know who you are, then you know what you can do. Let me say it this way. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. When you know who you are, you know the authority that you have and you carry. So watch this. When I read this, I thought, man, Jesus didn't just want to change Peter. That was, that was part of the process. That's the first part. But listen, everybody look at me. God doesn't want to just change you. What we read right now is he doesn't want to just change you. He wants to make you now an agent of change where now you're bringing change to other people because you have a revelation of who he is. See, some people have this idea that it's just all about them changing. No, now Peter is going to become an agent of change. Peter is going to have the authority, listen, to bring the kingdom of God to places that it would not go. My church family, that's who you are. You are a child of God. You are anointed of his Holy Spirit. And where you go, the kingdom of God goes. Come on, somebody. And where you at, there's a lot of people who are praying. Oh, God, remove me from my job. Oh, God, take me over here. This is too hard. Can I just tell you, maybe you're called there to be an agent of change. We have the authority. This is strong to bring God's kingdom to the kingdom of this earth. Hear me, parents. You have the authority to bring the kingdom of God into your house for your kids to stand up and teach them that they are kings and they are priests in the house of God. Come on, somebody. We have the authority to bring the kingdom of God and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. But if we're bipolar, if we're schizophrenic and we don't know and the enemy is going to try to do everything he can to remind you of your past, to say that you can't be what God says you are, my church family, he is a liar. Pants on fire. Because we are who God says we are. And here's what I, I want you to do, and I, I want you to, to think about this as we close today. If I were to tell you the answer, if I were to sum up today, the answers to all of your problems come down to having a better revelation of who Jesus is. See, here's the thing. I can do that. I can look at him with a longing in my heart and he can reveal things to me. 
See, some of us make decisions because we're insecure about things. I teach all of our leadership, whenever we're in conflict or whatever, we always come from a position of strength, not a position of weakness. No matter what's going on, we come with it. Why? Because our God is strong. I'm not talking about me mean to people. I'm just talking about with a courage and a confidence that we just don't back down because we know God is for us. Come on, somebody. And no one can be against us. And when the gates of hell try to prevail, they cannot if we know who we are. And God wants to reveal Jesus to you so you can know who he is, so you can know who you are. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. We thank you. Lord, I pray in these last few moments that we have together. You know, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says that when we behold you, you remove the veil over our eyes. And today, Lord, I pray that you would do exactly that. Some people have been veiled by past experiences that have been hurtful. Some people have been veiled by some of the things and abuse that even others have done to them. But Lord, I pray that you would remove that veil and show us who you really are. Lord, may we not see our lives just through the lens of hurt, the lens of pain, the lens of lack. But Lord, I pray that today we would behold you, looking to you with a longing to know who you are. Not what other people have said, not what the news is saying, not what other church people are saying that may be upset, but to know who you really are today. Come on, just in a moment, would you just close your eyes today? I want you to see him, my church family, for who he really is today. He loves you so much. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him better than you even know yourself. He wants to walk with you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to share secrets with you. Your life is valuable. Your I feel like I need to say this today to someone. Your life is not over. It's not over. Stop telling yourself it's over. It's not over. Have a revelation of who he is. He is life. We love you, Father. And we worship you today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We never like to close out Passion Life Church service without giving you the opportunity to know who Jesus is for yourself. So you can say, I know who he is. You can answer the question when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You can say, you are my savior. You are my healer. You are my strength. You are my portion forever. Today, if you've never invited Jesus in your heart, We'd love to say a prayer. We say it in faith, believing and knowing that we can repent of our sin, that Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin, and that we can become a child of God, son, daughter of God. No matter what you've done, there's forgiveness for you today. Would you pray this prayer with me if you've never said it before? Passion Life Church, would you repeat this prayer with me so those who uh, are saying it for the first time, don't feel like they're alone. Say this with me. Say, Father God, come on, say it loud. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sins. Today I repent. I want to see you, Jesus, for who you really are. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give all of those who prayed that prayer a good round of applause. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.